All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Cutlass Podcast. Uh, today, I want to dive a bit more into your personal power base, and you're going to hear me say it over and over again. The two biggest power bases that I want to talk about and that you should really invest in and reflect on are going to be that personal power base and that expert power base because those are directly related in other terms to your character and your competence. And through those two, you develop personal credibility and your reputation as a leader and a manager. And then with that, you can gain trust in your teams and then generate buy-in and take your teams to higher levels. So it's all about leader attitude, your focus, and your value and belief system that you bring to the table as a leader and a manager and how that affects how you engage with your people and your personal behavior. So with me today, it's a pleasure to welcome Scott Benning. Uh, Scott entered the Naval Service in June of 1983, and he served as a logistics specialist for the first 15 years of his, of his career. He did a variety of tours, amphibs, oiler ships, Norfolk Naval Shipyard. And then in 1999, he was selected as a command mass chief, got into organizational leadership and management at that point, and did a variety of tours there um, at the executive level leadership for a fighter squadron, a carrier air wing, as a carrier CMC. And then in installation management at Navy Region Mid-Atlantic, which is in Norfolk, Virginia. And then in 2009, he was selected as a fleet mass chief, working directly for the chief of naval personnel for manpower personnel training and education policies and resources. Uh, when he retired in 2013, Scott was sworn into service as a government service employee. He served five years in the Department of the Navy Sexual Assault Prevention and Response Office, a year as the Director of Management for Director Navy Staff, and he now serves as the Director of Operations for Director Navy Staff in Washington, D.C. Uh, he's a graduate of the Navy Senior Enlisted Academy, and he's got a degree in Workforce Education Development from Southern Illinois University, and he is also the author of the book, The Power of Positive Leadership. So, Scott, welcome to the Cutlass Podcast. How's everything going? Outstanding. Thanks for having me and I appreciate all you're doing through your efforts uh, with your podcast to emphasize the importance of growing uh, outstanding leaders. So thanks for having me, Paul. Yeah, no problem. So we served, uh, you know, some time together on active duty. And I remember this concept of you, you know, even while on active duty before you wrote the book, um, you were always engaged in this concept of power, positive leadership, the power of positive leadership championed, you know, empowering younger sailors through this coalition of sailors against destructive decision making, you know, that, that initiative took off. So you retire. What prompts you to write this book? When were you thinking about it? At, when at Mid-Atlantic Region is really when the, the whole power of positive leadership thing came to light. And it was really as a result of an all hands call with then the CNO, Admiral Mullins and Mick Poncampa. Okay. And uh, it was really about this young officer uh, standing up and, and saying about uh, asking the question about, uh, how has um, uh, the deteriorating standards of our sailors, do you think, impacts our Navy? And and he was asking the CNO, and the CNO did a, you know, as you would expect, uh, he kind of went, he says, first of all, it's not a chief's issue, it's not a first class issue, it's not an officer issue, it's a leadership issue, and we've got to get after this. And it, it was really starting to take a negative tone, and I, and I stood up, and I, you know, and I said at that point, I said, hey, sir, I said, you know, uh, I appreciate what, what you all are saying, but uh, how about we focus on the positive aspect of what we're doing instead of the negative? So I'm hearing a lot of negative talk in our Navy right now, and I would be willing to bet you that if I went back and look at sit reps and everything else, that about 99.5% of our sailors are doing an outstanding job, and we're spending a lot of time talking about the 0.5% of our sailors. Right. 
And and so after that discussion, you know, he, he turned his comments around and he got on the positive spin of it. And, and he agreed with me and he did a, a great job with it. But I think sometimes, you know, when you're talking negative, you can take a whole lot of people down a rabbit hole with you and it just starts diving yep. uh, into a very negative tone. And Mick Camp at the time afterwards went back to his office and had one of his people actually start tracking exactly what I had said about sir reps and stuff like that. And guess what? 99.5% of our sailors were doing an outstanding job. And it was less than one half of 1% that were listed in those sit reps. And so it, it became a very interesting thing. And I left there knowing that I could not just leave that conversation and not do anything about it. I had to, you know, if I'm going to stand up and talk about leadership and say that we all need to do something about it, I need to lead that effort. And so that there created really the, my concept of pop leadership, power of positive leadership to kind of turn it around a little bit. And so from that, I created, you know, really a talking platform as I went around the region. I had 17 installations in our regions and, and I could go around and talk about pop leadership. And as I had those discussions, you know, they, and after time, uh, people would say, you know, you really need to think about having something that people can carry on with them after your conversations. And yep. So at the time, I created these little handbooks that uh, went along with the conversations that, and it was uh, paired with the, uh, you know, the CPO guiding principles yep. at the time. Okay. And then after, re- you know, retiring from active duty, uh, I would still get asked to come do these presentations and discussions on pop leadership. Uh, I think when you really start talking about positive, people really enjoy it. It's really what they want. And so sometimes you just got to get that focus back to where it needs to be. And people would say, you know, you really should be writing a book about this. One hour is not enough. And so uh, I did that. Uh, I did that because I really, I, I think that, you know, in the Navy, we have this great thing as, you know, we have the coin challenge. Everybody wants to hand out a coin to represent their organization or something like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. I don't hand out coins anymore. I, I, I hope what I do is I hand them a book that gives them some piece of knowledge of something that they can learn from my experience, hopefully that would help them in theirs. I, I'm not, I don't consider myself a leadership expert. I consider myself a leadership student. Okay. And so I continue to learn about leadership every day. And, and I hope that as I learn from those experiences that I can pass it on to someone else that can be successful in their leadership journey. And so that's really what it is. It's really about paying power of positive leadership forward, pay it pop forward. Yeah. I think that's a great point too, because, you know, just like many professions, you know, you practice this, right? Lawyers practice law, doctors practice medicine, right? Because it's always changing. There's new concepts coming out. And in the, in the world of leadership, as you know, and management, it's very dynamic, right? There's no, hey, if this happens, a plus B equals C, right? Because the right. A and the B are always changing. The, the environment's changing. It's very situational. So each engagement with leadership um, that you engage in or see, I think you're constantly learning from. So, and once again, like like your book, this podcast is an attempt to give back and just contribute to that continuous learning for uh, for leaders and managers. So, so let's get into the philosophy behind this power positive leadership, or I think you call it pop, right? It's pop leadership. I remember it being called. Right. Yeah. Um, and kind of what are the components? Break it down for the audience a little bit. Well, there's a couple of concepts that I discuss in the book, right? And so I kind of give you the story leading into how it got started and, okay. and then ultimately wrapping up. And, and part of my book is at the end of each chapter, it has pop points, right? And so it's kind of a, a summary of the things that were discussed in the chapter, uh, I would tell you probably one of the basic concepts is uh, what I call ice. 
ice leadership, right? And okay. so uh, when you think about yourself as a leader, what does a leader have to be? A leader has to be somebody that can inspire somebody. Uh, they have to want to see themselves being like you in order to follow you, right? Yep. So you got to, first and foremost, it's about not only how you lead, it's about how you live your life. And it's about the credible person you are that you talked about earlier, uh, really about, you know, how do you grow your personal, professional and your technical ability to be a person that's respected uh, to the point that you can inspire other people to do things more than they thought they could ever do themselves. Okay. So we all recall those types of people along our Navy journey as a young sailor who pushed us and, and helped us to realize that we could do more. And, and really those mentors along the journey that have really helped us become stronger people uh, and stronger leaders. Okay. Hey, so uh, let me jump jump in there real fast with the inspire piece because I think this is important. I heard someone say this before. It's like I think leaders often think – Hey, it's my job to motivate, right? And like with my leadership influence, I can motivate. But I heard someone else present it as you're actually got motivation comes within. So the leader's role is to actually develop self-motivation within the person. Um, to your point, I like that word inspiring, right? So the motivation has to come within. So you're tapping into, I think, the person and getting them to self-motivate towards the goals that, that are frankly in their best interest and in the, in the interest of the organization. What do you think about that? All of us. I mean, I think we grew up in a, an amazing environment in the military, right? And so I think about what's going on in the world today. And I looked at the people that have grown me to be the person I am, uh, the, the diversity that got me to be the understanding and the listening person that I am. Yeah. Uh, my first chief petty officer was an African-American chief petty officer. My second one was a Filipino senior chief petty officer. They took me under their wing and they grew me into the young sailor that I was. And, and who I've become and, and to, to value those types of things and to grow from that experience and uh, to move it forward. They gave me the confidence, right? They yeah. gave me the inner strength that they knew that they had to instill within me to be successful in my Navy career. And that Chief Spencer and a senior chief man, Lulu, are two people I'll never forget, uh, really built me into the sailor I am. So uh, so we talked Inspire. So the, the C would be which one? The C is the challenge, right? And so okay. now this, once you have the ability to inspire somebody, you have to challenge them. You have to help them to realize they can do more than they could ever do, right? And so the challenge is the hard piece and, and the leadership piece, right? Because this is where you have to give them the tools, uh, the resources, the knowledge, the education, and the training to be successful at whatever you're going to task them at. So you just can't give somebody something as a task to do. And then not prepare them to do it. Right. And so you have to, there's a lot of steps involved in the leadership aspect of the challenge aspect. And there's, yeah. uh, you know, oftentimes where leadership fails is they forget that piece of it right there. Yeah. Um, so it kind of so, gets into delegation a bit, right? Like delegating, you know, when they have the end situational leadership, right? So assessing that a person has not just, you know, just like we talk character and competence before you delegate or provide someone the opportunity to, to, execute and succeed you got to evaluate do they have the maturity and not just you know the the mental maturity but do they have the character and competence to succeed and the potential to succeed in that job so um i think that's part of it yeah absolutely and then for for those you know as we know working in in the navy a lot of it is did you get them the qualifications necessary to be able yep. to do the task you're giving them? Um, we, we have a lot of steps along that journey and then and if you're just blindly giving people something to do without 
having any of that foresight to prepare them for success. You know, the failure oftentimes is not the individual as much as the leader didn't do the preparation to get the thing ready to where it needed to be. Yeah. And then selecting the right kind of leadership approach. Hey, do I, based on that situational leadership model, right? um, I've delegated, I've given you perhaps authority to make decisions or perform in a certain task you're not used to, but do I need to be directing? Should I be coaching? Should I be supporting or should I be delegating? I think many leaders fail to just take the time up front to go, okay, you know, what is my follow up? You know, once I challenge someone, what's, what am I going to follow up with? You know, how much coaching am I going to do? You don't just send them on their way. And then when they fail, come in with a hammer. Yeah. And, that, and that's a great lead in is to what the E is, right? The E is the empowerment piece, right? Yep. If you've done everything that you needed to, to inspire, to challenge that person, then you ought to be able to empower them. You don't need to micromanage them, right? right. You've, you've given them the tools and knowledge and resources, the education and training, whatever they needed to be able to perform that task. You ought to have the self-confidence as a leader that I did everything that I could to prepare them that they're going to be successful in that task. Absolutely. And if you, and if you can't have that confidence yourself, well, then you haven't done what's necessary to prepare that person. And so you need to take a step back and go back to the challenge piece. But if you've done all those steps properly, the empowerment piece is easy and you have grown a new leader with a new level of confidence like no other. Uh, that's going to be somebody else that you can depend on and enables you to focus on other things because they're focusing on what needs to get done. And so, so, uh, you know, the ice leadership piece is, you know, it's really, as I talk to people about this is, you know, sometimes as a leader, if you're doing leadership, right, chill out, you know, because take a step back and chill out because if you've done it right, you're able to chill out. You're able to take a step back and look at the bigger picture while those other people are doing the things that need to get done yep. because you prepared them properly. Yeah. So I'm with you there. So, you know, you touched on this micromanagement thing and, and, we talk a lot about leadership, but I, towards the end of my career, and even now, I really heavily talk about management, right? So we stopped kind of talking about management and the importance of that. Back in our day in the Navy, if you remember, we went, it was LMET was our leadership development stuff, leadership and management, education and training. So the right. management piece is important, right? Um, if you're a frontline leader or a mid-level manager, you're definitely planning you're organizing resources, you're directing, and then you're controlling. And those are management functions. So people cannot dismiss that. Yes, you have a leadership role, right? That's the influencing of that management process. What I would offer, if you find yourself in the micromanagement process, then that's a symptom that you've misdelegated, right? You've either selected the person too early, not given them, to your point, the training and education they need to develop the confidence or competence and confidence to succeed in that role. So the first step when they don't perform is not attack person and blame the worker, it's reflect on yourself and go, okay, what's my role in this failure or this misdelegation? Right. It's insecurity that you have within yourself because you haven't done what you need to do. And oftentimes, you know, you know, as you look around, you know, as a leader, you're thrust into situations sometimes in which you don't have all the knowledge. Right. You put a team together or a team is given to you and you have to learn from those people. And those people that are insecure about learning from other people are going to fail, you know. And so I look at the position I'm in right now. I'm into a whole new world with the whole information technology, IT, right? And so mm-hmm. uh, as I learn about IT, I, I've got people that work for me in the chief information office, but I have to depend on them to get me educated to be able to understand what's going on to be able to make good decisions. Yep. You know, so that's a conversation I have with them up front. Hey, I'm not here to do your job. I'm here to help getting the job done. And so I need you to educate me. Yep. Okay. If I, if I went in there and said, no, well, I just know it all. You just need to do it the way I do it. 
I tell you to do it and I have no knowledge of what has to be done, uh, we're going to fail. Yep. And we're going to spend a lot of time spinning around doing nothing as opposed to getting things done. Because at the so, higher levels like that, right, once you move up in the organization, right, you get in the executive and the strategic levels that you know, you're leading and managing at, the competence – is actually, frankly, delegated within to the team. So like you said, right, as the leader of that organization, um, your, your knowledge is only so deep, but that competence should be well-developed and vetted and selected through the hiring process and through the, the development of each of those lines of effort. And then your role is to just enable that team and unleash the power of it. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And then one other point with the management piece you mentioned that, uh, you know, I just wrote something down was, Yes. So the mid-level manager, right, I think is, you know, that frontline leader is, is executing, you're delegating down to people to get the tasks done, right? But that middle-level manager should be looking out far, right? Your time is you free up your personal time so you can look six to nine months out and really do some deep thinking about, okay, what are the challenges out six, nine months out? What resources do I need? What schools do I have to get my people or what education and training do I need? Who do I need to hire? And I sometimes I wonder if mid-level managers get too caught up in the day-to-day or distracted with what's coming in the inbox to really give themselves some time to think out six to nine months on where they want to take the organization. What's been your experience with that? So this is a great point. I love this, right? The Admiral uh, Mark Ferguson is the chief naval personnel who selected me to be the fleet mass chief. And and I'll never forget, uh, Admiral Ferguson used to uh, go into his office and close the door, and nobody was allowed to go into that office for uh, a period of time that he had set aside every day. And that was his thinking period. It was not a time that he got into his inbox, whether it be his his, uh, hard copy inbox or his mailbox. But it was a time that he thought and reflected on everything that had been going on during a period of time and how to put all that together and how he was using that information, the input that he had gotten from his people. But he just needed the time to think and organize about what the vision was going to be going forward. And it was a daily reflection that he did that uh, I took a great deal from to understand the importance of just stepping back and putting thought into what's going on. Yep. I mean, we think we just do that naturally, but we do. You're right. We have so many distractions right now. You know, the email box is pinging. Uh, you know, for us now, we're on on this Teams environment. So yep. I've got the chat room yep. up. I've got my cell phone going off. Yep. And there's... So many different things that if you allow it to, it will distract you from the important things of as a leader, having a vision of what you need your team to accomplish going forward. So back to the, let's get back to the power of positive leadership. So that's an attitude mindset, right? So why is it so important to be positive and have a positive attitude? And then why do you find that some leaders and managers end up with a negative attitude? And what's your advice to them to avoid that? Well, the, so the power of positive is obvious, right? I, I think if you uh, really look in the environment, you look back at people who you have worked with before. Uh, did you really like working for negative people? Did you like the negative coaches that you had in high school or whatever? Or did yep. you like the positive ones that were reinforcing the good things? They were finding your strengths and then managing those strengths to get to be something more, right? Yeah. So that's one of the things that, you know, the power of positive is all is about looking at the people that you have and building on their strengths, understanding their weaknesses and building their weaknesses to become strengths. And yeah. so if you keep that positive mindset, you'll always be working for that. I think that a lot of people get into a negative mindset uh, because sometimes they get overwhelmed. And why do they get overwhelmed? Because they try to take on too much themselves. They haven't worked to develop the trust relationships that they need to have, whether it be a trust relationship with their boss 
or a trust relationship with the people that are working for them. And so when there's a lack of trust, it's very hard for you to really get things done and not feel like you're the only one that has to do everything. And and in that moment, you become very negative. And so I I think, you know, there's a great book uh, called Well Done by, I think it's Kim Blanchard, right? And so uh, if you look in the back of my book, there's 125 leadership books uh, that I've read, right? And so it's called My Leadership Library. It's in my office here. And that book is very much a story about the importance of understanding through the the story of the training of the killer whales and how they have trained those killer whales, about how you relate that stuff to your own personal life, whether it be your life at home or your life at work, and, and how it can really change your mindset and, and really understanding the importance of remaining positive. It's not always easy to be positive, right? Life happens. Yeah. But, you know, so there's many different ways, whether it be faith, whether it be through your physical you know, the triad of, of, of maintaining your health, your personal, your physical and your spiritual health. And then so. uh, having, a you know, some peers, right, that close circle of people who can help you gauge from the outside. Because I'll tell you, in the world that we operated in, you know, this, you can't tell me there weren't times when you were a command mass chief or a fleet mass chief where a policy decision was made, an operational decision was made when your COs or commanders took an approach you just didn't agree with. And our role was to get out and translate that to the chief's mess and, and others, right? So if... If I couldn't get that, okay, I got to get on board and support this. Just the tone you deliver with that, especially in organizations where you require a lot out of them and it's tough and demanding. If you come in there with a negative attitude, people will quickly latch on to that kind of victim attitude and woe is me and you'll shift your direction unknowingly. Uh, and I was fortunate a couple times I had that happen where, you know, I had, uh, you know, senior chief petty officers and older peers and mentors would pull me aside and said, Hey, by the way, you just said this in front of the group. You know, you might want to stop and reflect on that. And, you know, that stung a bit, but I was like, all right, this is cool, right? They didn't do that in front of anyone. They pulled me to the side and I was able to kind of pause, reflect, and then go, okay, let me adjust my attitude. Let me go resolve what's causing this kind of internal negative attitude and work through it. So to your point, uh, I think that happens. Yeah, and oftentimes I think that really when we get into those situations, you know, we really ought to analyze who we're upset about or, or upset with. Are we upset with our boss or we're upset with ourselves, right? Because at the end of the day, we have a responsibility to influence our leaders. Yep. And if a leader made a decision that I didn't agree with, maybe it was my fault that I didn't find the right information to influence the decision the way I felt it should have yeah. gone. And I just uh, and, did an episode on this, uh, just a couple of, I think actually the last, uh, within the last two episodes, we talked about this, how to professionally push back, you know, and provide feedback. And we talked about at some point, you're going to get that hard no, or you're not going to, you, you won't understand the broader context of the decision your boss has to make, right? So um, before you go pushing back more, it's your job to understand why you're pushing back so much, right? So is it your own personal value and belief system or do you fail to understand the bigger picture? Just taking time to pause in that can help. Yeah, and I think, you know, people get to a place where they think there's only one way to do something, right? And so when you get yourself in that place of thinking that my way or the highway, it might be time to look for for a different place to do your work. Because at the end of the day, there are many different ways to get things done. It doesn't mean that your way is always the right way. And yep. there's experiences that the other person has, too, that might 
have been successful for them that you need to understand and learn from and be willing to learn. When we stop learning, we stop living. And so we really need to keep in perspective about what can we learn from the experience? What can we take from lessons learned at the end of it? Was it successful? Was it not successful? What did we learn from that that, that we could use in the next situations going forward? Yeah. So. And then, uh, as you know, Mick Pond, Mike Stevens came in. One of his mantras that he championed throughout the cheese mess at the time was this concept of controlling what you own. So I think some people can feed off of negativity of things that are going on, especially now when you look at the context of what's going on in America. We're very divided politically. A variety of things that are pressurizing. We got COVID going on. We got racial tension going on, right? There's a lot of stuff that if you draw yourself into those things up there that maybe you just can't control – um, you'll find yourself feeling helpless, negative, and then your attitude shifts, right? And then your people sense that and they get on board with that. But I think you focus on self first, right? And what is my direct sphere of influence? I have people that come up to me all the time and go, hey, what can I do to help with suicide prevention in the military? And I'll tell them, start with your team, right? So that's the piece you own. And I think if you take ownership for that and focus on that team, you can really focus your positive attitude towards success. Yeah, I really look at, you know, as, as we grow up uh, through life and, you know, you really grab on to certain people and the people that you grab onto that you want to mentor you, you do that because it's the way they present themselves. It's the way they live their life. Yeah. And, and, and it's not necessarily about what they're standing up in front of people talking about all the time, but are they really uh, the type of person that's living their life with a respectful manner, you know? And, yeah. and if you can be that type of person and you can be that for other people, that's what you want other people to emulate, yeah. right? If you, if you want them to emulate some of the things that are going on out, outside of their sphere, tell them to go turn the TV on and watch the news. But, you know, at the end of the day, I find myself watching less of the news these days and working more on myself. What can I do to be a better self myself that can have a positive impact on other people around me? Absolutely. So what else? Any last thoughts or any points of emphasis from the book you want to give to the listeners? Yeah, I just think that, you know, again, it's all about growing yourself, right? You, You cannot grow other people if you don't grow yourself. And I I've emphasized with, you know, many people. And so I I really appreciate, Paul, your emphasis on getting other people to write. I saw your uh, post uh, with David about boot camp and the story that he recently did last night. Uh, I think just as we understand the importance, leadership is not just at work, right? Leadership is at home. You know, your family is always first. And so I tell my, I would tell my sailors that all the time. I I can't expect you to be a successful sailor if I don't think that you're going to be successful at at home with your family first. Because all those things will impact you, whether you have a negative or positive perspective about what's going on in your world. And so family first, right? Put family first and understand leadership happens at home. Me and my family, I have two boys, you know, my high school sweetheart, married 37 years, put up with 30 years in the Navy and, and all those things. And now I have a son who's a lieutenant in the Navy. And the other son who runs all the sports, fitness, and aquatics for Naval Station Norfolk. Awesome. You know, and so what we've learned through life is that we have discussions on leadership uh, at home because we do it at work and we do it at home. And it's all about building relationships, right? And a lot of what's going on in the world right now is that we need to understand that we need to break down the barriers. We need to be willing to listen to other people. We need to be willing to have conversations that are uncomfortable sometimes and break, break down barriers and build bridges. Build bridges to the other people to understand the value that they have, the values that they have, and and why do they have those values. And you get to learn about other people, and you break down those barriers. 
And that's really, for me, a lot of what pop leadership is about is, is doing that and then growing yourself to be the best that you can be to prepare other people to be the best that they can be. Okay. You know, what kind of resources would you offer? So I, I won't ask for books. I mean, we mentioned one, but if you get your book, you'll see the hundred plus books that Scott recommends. Are there any podcasts you follow or what's your, what are you, how do you continuously learn right now? So it's continuous reading, right? And so I'm a huge John Maxwell fan. I think I own most every book the guy has ever written. Okay. You know, he has a minute with Maxwell video that he does every single day, which is, I think is a great thing. He just, okay. you can get free. You just go click on it and then you'll get it every single day. And it's a leadership discussion, but it's a reflection, right? And so everything that we do is, and I hope that what people get out of my book is reflecting. Yep. It's reflecting on yourself to understand what you can grow yourself going forward. Um, your podcast is a phenomenal thing. I appreciate so much of what you're doing. Yeah, uh, but the that. Bob Feller uh, Act of Valor Award Foundation, which I was a part of standing up and yeah. was a part of for about four years, they do a podcast as well. Okay, And uh, and so it's, it's another leadership tool. And there are plenty of podcasts out there. Uh, on different leadership aspects. Uh, for me, a lot of it is reading, right? And so yep. reading the books. And that's why I've encouraged, uh, you know, other MCPONs and other fleets to be writing books because I think that we have a lot of experience that we just take for granted. And then if we could put it into a context that other people can read it and understand it and learn something from it, uh, hopefully they can be better in their current position. They can learn from our, whether our successes or our failures yep. as we're honest about what we write. So it's lifting up that next generation so they don't have to learn the hard lessons that we did. So speaking yep. of the book, right? Are you, do you have another book coming out? Are you thinking about it or is that one enough? Well, I, I, so yeah, there, there's an outline I already have for another book. The next book would be Ice Leadership. Okay. Uh, to really, to get after and, and thinking about doing it with my two sons as, you know, I have the enlisted leadership perspective and now the government service leadership perspective. Okay. Uh, my one son has an officer perspective and the other one has a, also a government employee perspective, right? And so thinking about doing something together with them on ICE leadership and then be able to talk about other stories from other leaders that have inspired, challenged, and empowered people to be better. So uh, I don't think that's going to come out here anytime soon. A lot of work to do on that. And, yes. and I really want to get through uh, the next couple of years here focusing on what I'm focusing on for the director of Navy staff. And, uh, and so when I finish up in this, in the next few years here, I anticipate that's going to be my focus. Awesome. All right, Scott. Uh, once again, thanks for taking some time with me today. My guest today has been Scott Benning, retired fleet mass chief and director of operations for director of Navy staff. Uh, good luck to you, Scott, and, uh, look forward to working more with you in the future. Same here, Paul. Thanks for all you're doing. All right. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to the Cutlass Podcast. If you want to learn more about the topic we've discussed today or in any other episodes, you can check out the Chief Petty Officer's Guide or the other resources listed in the episode description today. Take time now to subscribe, follow, like, and share. And then if you want to provide me feedback or suggest topics for future episodes, please email me at cutlassleadership at gmail.com. I'm Paul Kingsbury. Work hard to keep your leadership cutlass sharp and work to be a sturdy, versatile, incredible leader who makes a positive difference in your professional and personal life.